This is the Pro-AV Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the MarketScale Pro-AV Podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Folks, thank you so much for joining us on another episode of the show. Make sure you're subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify to get future and previous episodes of the show, speaking to a variety of different AV thought leaders, all the way from integrators to C-suite leaders. For today's episode, we are sitting down with Patrick Dunn. He's the Executive Vice President of Operations at Unilumen USA. And we're going to be spending some time breaking down how LED technology has evolved in the last few years, where it is going in the future, but more importantly, how those tech changes have impacted the client-business relationship. What are buyers looking for in their solutions? Do they always know what they need and what they want? How do you communicate that new and sometimes more traditional technology to them in a way that feels effective and best meets their needs? So we're going to break all that down with Patrick today. Patrick, how are you doing today? I'm well. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you know, folks obviously know we're in the middle of a pandemic, so got to check in with all my guests. How are you doing? Are you holding up personally? I'm doing okay. Um, I typically spend about 300 days a year on the road traveling for um, you know everything from visiting our factories to meeting with customers and exploring other relationships. So this is the longest I've been in one place in the last five years. So I'm getting a little stir crazy, but you know doing uh, doing my part, keep with social distance, um, you know making sure that I'm limiting my contact to friends and family as much as I can to try and flatten this curve. Um, again, as, as much as we can, and hopefully we'll come out of this in a, in a few weeks or a month's time and we'll start to get our lives back to normal. But for now, just, you know, adapting and doing the best we can. And, um, you know, we're, we're busier than ever, um, as we found people are being shut down, you know, um, they're still moving forward with their larger projects to be ready for the surge of business that's come through on the backside of this. Well, I'm glad you're holding up and I agree. Um, you know, looking forward to seeing how, all different industries adapt and and hold out during this pandemic, and the AV industry is no different. So let's go ahead and get into our conversation today. Um, Clearly, LED technology has improved a lot over the last several years. Um, Let's start there. Could you just break down how LED systems have improved over the last several years, especially when we look at direct view LED how is that actually materializing in price and in uh, use case and in functionality within the industry? Sure. Um, the the biggest change that we've seen has definitely been you know the drive to get smaller. So uh, about five years ago, a two point five millimeter was considered you know the bleeding edge of technology, um, and anyone that happened to make it to ISC this year saw that we were you know uh, debuting some zero point seven millimeter and zero point five millimeter which is about a 40% increase in pixel density compared to some of the other pitches. So definitely the drive to get smaller, to get closer viewing distances and get higher resolution out of your LED, um, that's probably been the largest focus of the industry as a whole. Um, And then secondly, um, I would say it's about efficiency. So how to design and build um, these products so that as you're you know, cutting pitch in half, you're not also doubling your price. 
So definitely the, the two have been hand in hand. How do we make it better? How do we make it more efficiently? And how do we make it more reliable? Um, that's probably the primary focus. Um, the other thing that we're seeing is that the quality of components that are av available to us as a manufacturer have increased exponentially. Um, before, when even with some of the larger pitches, you had a limit of how much of your color spectrum uh, or color space you could achieve. It would be a, a percentage of NTSC, 70, 80, 90% of NTSC. Um, now we're able to deliver um, a DCI P3 level product or a Rec. 709 product um, down to 1.2 millimeter. And we're currently working with some suppliers on mass producing um, 0.9 millimeter diodes that can deliver those really high end or high spectrum color spaces. And it's opened up possibilities for HDR, um, 3D modeling, um, the pharmaceutical companies love it. Um, and graphic design companies love it because they can uh, replicate colors very, very accurately on a large scale. Um, so that's been a that's been a huge um, step forward, and we're seeing an increased demand where people are starting to ask for and require um, that level of color space in their projects. Um, it's not everybody, but definitely the you know the the you know medical industry, um, graphic design, advertising, pharmaceutical, um, they're definitely requiring to have you know they want their blue to be their blue, their green to be their green. Um, so that's become very important in the last few years. Now, why do those tech changes and improvements to pixel pitch, to um, color representation, why do those things matter to the buyers in the industry? Is the content changing at all to need more support uh, within the hardware itself? Um are buyers always looking for the next cutting edge thing? Uh, what is the impact on that relationship with the buyer? Um, I think it's a combination of things. Um, a lot of it is driven um, by internal marketing departments. Um, companies spend billions and billions of dollars on marketing and branding. Um, and for example, um, Coca-Cola red is a very specific color. So if you're doing a project with a company like Coca-Cola and you put up a screen in a lobby or a conference room or a boardroom and they put their logo up, someone's going to walk in and go, I don't think that's our color. And, you know, people that spend large amount of money on display systems, they need to have their color represented accurately. So a lot of it is being driven from internal marketing and um, internal teams to make sure that the content that they're producing for internal use gets displayed the way they expect it on the screen. You also have some very high-end content producers. Um, you know, we recently did a project at the Link Casino in Las Vegas where um, they hired a digital artist to come in and design a very interactive piece of content that will actually follow you through, through your journey through the main floor of this casino. And it activates in real time, and it's it's a really incredible installation. Um, um, there's been a lot of videos posted on it. Um, it's won, it won some awards recently. Um, but, you know, he had uh, the digital artist was very specific in what colors he needed the screen to deliver in order to um, make sure that his vision for the art came to life. And we're starting to see a bridge between 
you know, LEDs and what we think of for commercial purposes to LED used for artwork. So there's definitely been a, a shift of thinking of, you know, instead of saying, oh, we want big, we want high resolution, you know, that of course is still a requirement, but they also need to make sure that the display is achieving the look and feel and delivering the customer experience that they're envisioning. So as manufacturers, we've had to take steps to make sure that we can replicate that as close as possible um, to their vision and, and make sure that, you know, at the end of the day, when they sit in front of their screen, they go, yes, that the vision in my head, the vision on my system matches what's being displayed by your technology. Right. Back to just the technology and the improvements to LED systems for a second. Um, what has enabled those improvements and the ability to bring richer colors to life, um, have durability even with smaller, more sensitive pixel pitch? What is enabling that? Um, it's definitely been a massive investment into R&D technology. We have a team of, of engineers that, that work every day on nothing but how to increase our efficiency. Um, we have very close relationships with our, um, with our partners um, who actually produce the LEDs for us, well, developing specifications with them, doing testing, getting samples. Um, so we spend a lot of time, a lot of time in the lab making sure that you know we're constantly at the forefront of of the technology so we can we can have the product be ready for the customer to request it or or push it to them as opposed to have someone ask us for something and then we have to you know react to that um, we would rather be constantly innovating and constantly evolving um, and we've even found that even within that process if we start down one avenue um, trying to develop you know a a smaller LED package or a more broad color space, you know, along that journey, we may find that we've discovered some efficiencies in another aspect of the product. So um, definitely the R&D the R effort by our teams here in the USA and also overseas um, has made a huge impact on how we're able to constantly push the envelope of what's possible um, with LED without compromising our reliability. One thing we're very particular on is we make sure that, you know, every product that we bring into the country, we have, you know, the right safety certifications, the right, you know, FCC emission standards. You know, we want to make sure that, you know, we're offering a, a warranty um, to make sure that, you know, the display is going to perform the same way on day one as it will on day 1000. And that's really our goal. Um, we, we try not to rush things through just to be first to market. We'd rather, you know, design and build a product that we're, that we know is going to work in, you know, mission critical spaces. We do a lot of command and control. We do a lot of life safety. We do a lot of utility work, um, even some government projects. Um, you know, those are expected to be 24 seven, 365. Um, and you know, failure is not an option there. Right. So we're constantly innovating. We're constantly pushing ourselves, you know, what can we do better? Um, you know, what can we do to make sure that, you know, our customers are, you know, are getting what they're paying for. All right, let's get into the buyer's journey, something that is uh, very unique in the AV industry and is seeing many changes as, you know, not only technology improves for LED systems and installations, um, but also just as our methods of shopping as B2C and B2B uh, buyers changes and evolves. So how are you seeing the buyer's journey change? Where was it? Where is it now? 
for professional LED installations. Mostly what we're seeing is that there's just been, in the past few years, there's been a, a flood of companies um, you know, pushing the product in the United States. Um, about 10 years ago, there were, there were very few players um, in the market here domestically. And what we're seeing is that you know, there's been a lot of smaller companies pop up um, and try and enter into the U.S. US market. Um, some have been successful, some haven't been, but um, there's definitely been a little bit of a, it's taken a little bit of a learning curve to kind of understand what makes the companies different. You can be overwhelmed very quickly, you know, because if you go into Google and you type in LED display, you know, you're going to get page after page after page of companies, you know, all, you know, saying, you know, we do this, we do that, we're the best at that. Um, so it can become very overwhelming. So what our focus has been on is honestly about education and not necessarily about our company, um, but it's more about, you know, education on the technology and also on the product specifically. Um, you know, one of the things I always try and do is ask the customers, what's your vision? What are you, what is your, what is the user experience you're trying to deliver with this project? Um, you know, cause a lot of times someone will, you know, start down one road, talk to a few companies and then eventually find their way to Unilumen. Um, and they'll hyper focus on one aspect of the tech. You know, they might say, I want a 1.5 millimeter pitch for this project. And I'm like, okay, well, what, what are you going to put on the screen? How close are people going to be sitting? What type of content is it? Is it static? Is it video? Is it motion? Is it stills? Is it three-dimensional? You know, so we try and really kind of start at the beginning and not even talk about product. You know, we talk about that, that user experience. And what we found is that, you know, when you take the time and, you know, work with the customer and try and educate the customer on what the product is at its core and what it's capable of, it's a lot easier for them to navigate the space and they start, they start asking more intelligent questions about, you know, what are the capabilities of the product as opposed to what is one specification of the product. So it starts off, I would say it starts off as a little bit of overwhelm, being overwhelmed, a little bit of confusion. And then once you start to get into the technology, you can really start to educate yourself as a buyer and, you know, ask very specific questions to understand which product is going to be the right fit for your specific application. And we have customers that might need two or three different products in order to deliver what they're envisioning. So we always want to be agile. We always want to, you know, pick the product to suit the need as opposed to, you know, working the need to fit around the product. Do you feel like the buyers that you interface with most today are more in tune with what they're looking for out of their projects, or do they still come to a company like Unilumens um, expecting to be guided through the process? And what do you think is influencing either you know a, a more educated buyer base or a, a an uneducated buyer base? I guess you know without the context of that being a negative, it's just you know the reality they may not know exactly what they're looking for. Sure, um, I would definitely say it's it's pretty split. Um, there's a lot of first-time buyers that come to us um, and ask for help, uh, really starting at zero. But then we also have some very experienced people. Um, what we found is that um, a lot of times it's some of the larger companies we work with that have you know global deployments or sites all around the country. Um, 
you know, they have hired people that are former LED industry um, experts. So a lot of times we'll interface with someone, um, you know, that has a lot of experience, that's on a lot of projects, and they hand me basically a, a specification sheet and says, this is what I'm asking for. Um, what can you deliver? And those projects are, you know, very easy. We, we, take, we take their requirements, we, we, worked, we work up our bill of materials, and, you know, we send it over to them and they verify it and make sure it's in line with what they're asking, a couple phone calls back and forth, and we're able to move forward with the project. Um, we have other times where we have someone that, you know, might be a specialist in networking infrastructure, um, but they've been tasked with implementing a video system. And, you know, they're very, very good at the networking side, but they don't necessarily have the background in video to understand how LED works. So that's someone that we want to spend a little bit more time with and really kind of take them through the process um, of how LED is spe specified and designed um, to make sure that we're, you know, at the end of the day, they're delivering, you know, what they're tasked to do from their, um, from their management team. Um, so it works both ways. And, you know, we work a lot with both people and there's even people in the middle. They've done one or two jobs and, you know, they have a good understanding, but this one's different. So we have to, you know, someone that might do a lot of rental staging or outdoor displays now wants to do a indoor, very fine pixel pitch display. So we're kind of able to take that foundation and work with them to understand the differences of, you know, going to a different type of LED system. So it works both ways. Um, and, you know, we're, we're, we're very patient. We have some, some incredible engineers on the team um, and some great support. So we do both. And, you know, we have, we have some great success stories for, for either option. Have you noticed whether or not buyers are following along with the uh, technological forks in the road with LED display technology? So everything from uh, micro LED to direct view LED to larger or smaller pixel pitch. Um, you know, are they familiar with which solutions work best for them already based on previous projects? Um, and you know, do buyers come to you already aware of, ah, I saw XYZ model is out, or I saw that, you know, there's a, a new um, back end to your system that makes it more durable. I'm already familiar with this. I'm looking for it. What does that dynamic look like? Sure. Um, I would say the majority of it is the people with not as much experience um, getting caught up in a little bit of the marketing buzzwords. Um, someone will come to us and say, you know, I want a screen that's 100 feet wide, it's 50 feet tall, the average user is 40 feet away, and I want 0.9 millimeter. And, you know, or I, want a, I want a micro LED or a mini LED for this project. And then that's when we kind of step back and we say, okay, um, let's talk about it. Why? Why? What is drawing you to the technology? Well, I saw it and I really liked it. Okay, well, what environment did you see it in? Oh, it was a screen designed for a home theater. I'm like, okay, um, you can have that, but you're probably not going to be able to afford it. <laughs> so then we start going through the exercises of, you know, taking kind of the, how big the screen is, how far the user is away, and what's going to be the content. And we kind of take those three parameters and we say, you can do what you're asking for, but it's going to cost you $10 million. Or we can use what we would say is the recommended for your standard 
and it's going to cost you half a million dollars. So a lot of times it's the people that are asking for the latest and the greatest and the newest thing. They're sometimes a little bit caught up in, in the marketing. And a lot of times companies will release something before it's really been vetted and tested. So yes, it exists. Yes, you can buy it, but there, it's such a new product that we don't know what it's going to happen in two years, three years, five years. So a lot of times it's, you know, people asking for things they don't need. Um, you know, there's, there's a, some technology where you can put coatings on the front of the led, um, that makes it great for a touch surface. Um, but there are some limitations with it. You know, it can only be a certain size and, um, you know, it really affects how much repairability there is to the display. So someone will sometimes ask for that coating and I'll ask them, okay, well, are people going to be touching it? Like, oh no, it's, it's up high, it's out of reach. And I'm like, well, then that coating really doesn't give you any benefit. You know, you have a lot of costs and a lot of risks associated with it, but you have no benefit to offset those. So a lot of times it's understanding, you know, yes, the customer's asking for something. Yes, we can absolutely do it for them, but we don't want to steer them down a path that isn't going to yield them a good result for their investment. And we find that a lot of the more experienced purchasers, um, you know, the companies that we've done 10, 30, 50 walls with, you know, they're the ones that tend to be a little bit more conservative. You know, they know, they know the product, they know what works. Um, and unless they have a reason to change or unless there's a request to change, um, you know, it's kind of go with the devil, you know, as opposed to the devil, you don't. So, um, the new technologies are always great and exciting and we're always working on them. Um, but they're not always going to be the best application for your project currently. So it's all about weighing that, that cost benefit, um, cost benefit and even risk to make sure that we're not steering our customer down, um, down the wrong path. Mm. With these emerging technologies in LED installations, are you seeing back-end systems now better support some more niche applications? And is that opening the door for any new markets or opportunities within those new markets? Of course. Um, I would say the, the biggest change that I've seen in the past couple of years has been the deviation from standard display sizes and ratios. So yes, the majority of the stuff we're going to do is going to be your 16.9 aspect ratio, 1080p, 4K types of resolutions. Um, but we're seeing a increase in experiential LED. Um, for example, the project I spoke about previously at, at the Link Casino in Las Vegas, we made 3D Tetra shapes. Um, we made five different shapes of, that are all different, and they actually are attached to the ceiling, but they have not only a plane uh, parallel to the floor, we also have edges. So it looks like there's a Tetris block coming out of the ceiling. And we had to do some very creative programming of the LED system, as well as working very closely with the content provider and the um, video processing company to make sure that the content that was delivered from the artist gets rendered in a specific format through the video system and then to the LED to make sure that if you have an object that's transversing three planes on a corner, that as it 
breaks each of those planes, it is still visible on all three sides of the face. Um, so there's definitely been a, a huge uptick in that. Um, we're seeing a lot more requests for um, convex and concave curves, spirals, um, floors. Um, we're working on one that's a, it's the inside of a, of a five-sided cube. So we'll have LED on the floor, the walls, and the ceiling. And the idea is that the person would walk into it and it would be like an immersive environment. Um, you know, so that's a, that's a really processing heavy, content heavy type of system. And we've seen it, you know, we've done it on a smaller scale at trade shows. Um, we did it for, a, for an automotive company a couple of years ago for unveiling or launching their new product. Um, so we're definitely seeing a lot more of that get pushed into the market. So as far as new markets, um, as we're seeing the cost of the actual hardware come down, it's opening up opportunities for um, art installations. So one thing we've seen recently in the transportation sector um, is that you know there's uh, a lot of airports around the country, uh, obviously this was previously to the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, um, that were slated for um, a lot of upgrades, is not only in capacity, but also in you know just general fit and finish. Um, so not only have they been making improvements to you know things like digital signage, um, informational displays, and advertising, um, and again, where previously those were you know flat panel display systems, um, they've now been opened up to the idea of using direct view LED. Um, so that you can have larger, more impactful displays showing more information. Um, and they're also doing some advertising overlays into that as well. Um, but also there's been a push to bring art projects into, um, you know, airports. So there's been um, money that's being allocated as part of those infrastructure projects for art. And it's more than paintings, it's more than murals, more than sculptures. They're adding um, some digital art components. So I think it was about two years ago um, at LAX, they did this beautiful column in the middle of the main foyer that looks like a library. So it looks like a giant bookshelf coming up out of the floor, going up to the ceiling. Um, I believe Hong Kong has recently done something similar, and um, uh, Changi Airport in Singapore did a massive LED rollout um, a couple of years ago, just adding all types of interactive and, and artistic elements. And we're now starting to see some of that demand, or we're starting to see some of that demand here in the United States. Um, so that has opened up an entire avenue for um, LED companies to go in. Um, alternatively, the uh, recent legislation changes that have allowed uh, sports betting um, on a state-by-state -state basis, um, we've seen massive growth in the um, sport and, sports and race books um, uh, industry. Um, Atlantic City, within the past year, um, they have uh, eight casinos, seven of which have sports books, um, and I personally built five of them, five out of the seven. Um, so Atlantic City did a big push with the passage of the legislation. Um, Las Vegas has been, you know, obviously sports books have been a huge cornerstone of them. Um, a lot of those have been upgraded in the past few years. But we're also seeing areas, um, especially on the tribal lands, um, on the United Nation in upstate New York. Um, I think they did four casinos last year. Um, 
there's been uh, a big push in, I think there was one in South Carolina, uh, two in Massachusetts, a few in, on tribal land out in Palm Springs area. Um, so I would say that's probably going to be two of the biggest um, areas for growth uh, in the next few years as mm. the demand increases for um, sports betting here, here in the United States. Interesting. And I bet with those new markets, obviously come new challenges for the buyer's journey. You know, what does the buyer's journey look like for someone in that industry uh, that is potentially bringing an incredibly unique and challenging AV installation to their business for the first time, right? Mm -hmm. So do you see the buyer's journey in those new markets, you know, change at all? Does it... um, affect how professionals approach the products that they're selling and how they market those products? You know, how, how does that affect both the buyer and the AV professional? Absolutely. Um, the biggest thing that I've noticed with doing sports books over the years is that they have a expectation for a 100% uptime. Um, if the book is not open and if they're not taking bets, um, the book isn't making any money. So what we're finding is that the most important thing in sports books is maintaining uptime and reducing project duration. Um, so buyers are making decisions on even not so much about brands or technology. It's it's what is going to um, decrease our downtime as much as possible. Um, so about five years ago, I was uh, before I had joined Unilumens. Um, I was uh, with an AV integrator on the East Coast, and we were engaged to build a sports book in Las Vegas. Um, still to this day, I believe it's the highest resolution indoor wall in the world. Um, it's located at, wow. it's located at the Westgate. And it was about a three-year process of discovery and design. Um, and we basically built the system off-site. Um, and then when we got the green light, I think it's, I'm not a, it's funny, I build sports books, but I, I know nothing about sports. Whatever, the last championship was over in, I want to say it was May. I don't know if it was basketball or hockey or the this whatever season wraps up in May. Basically, the next day we came in and we basically installed a temporary system in front of the old projection rear projection wall, removed everything behind it, and built the new system behind it. Tested it, commissioned it, programmed it, and then in one night they removed the temporary system and then the walls. And the next morning, the book was live. So it was uh, three years of, of prep and planning and discovery um, and about three months of build from start to finish. Now, if it was a normal project, that probably would have been a six or an eighth month build. Um, but we had over 150 people working on the project. Um, we were running three shifts a day, seven days a week. Um, basically, the machine didn't stop. Um, and, you know, we had issues where, you know, the day we installed the uh, HVAC units on the roof, um, Vegas had a 10-year storm. So we had holes cut in the roof to bring in ductwork, and it's raining inside the sports book. And we were scheduled so tight on our install um, that we were breaking everything up into four-hour blocks. And on that particular day, we were two blocks ahead of schedule from where we planned. If we had been a third block ahead, we would have had product installed that couldn't be replaced directly underneath where it started raining. So fortunately, you know, we got very, very lucky, but it was one of those things where, you know, we really didn't have a choice. We just had to keep moving forward. Um, Mm. But the project opened and it's uh, still to this day, it's it's an incredibly impressive installation. Um, 
It's over 62 million pixels on that wall. Wow. Wow. All right, Patrick, last main question I've got for you before we wrap up. How are these emerging technologies affecting what is sought after by new clients? Um, do you find that they are gravitating to what is cutting edge? Uh, do you find that they don't gravitate to what's new because they just don't know much about it? Um, and how do you see these emerging display technologies impacting common projects moving forward for AV professionals? Give us you know, some crystal ball peering. Yeah, um, there, it's definitely user dependent. Um, some people um, in our industry are very tuned in. Um, you know, there's lots of publications out there. There's, there's a lot of, of media to be consumed about you know, our industry. So there's a lot of people that are that are very clued in and they're asking great questions and you know they're driving the demand to say hey I read about this technology I think it's going to be the right fit for my project you know let's go and then you have other people that are coming and saying you know I need a display that has to fit this big and it has to show this piece of content what do you recommend so we're definitely getting both sides of the spectrum what's happened is that you know there's been some big name companies um, in the display world that have entered into the LED market. And whether that's through an OEM ODM relationship or whether that's through acquisition, um, you know, some of the household names um, that we probably all have products in our house are now coming in and, you know, marketing their LED product. So a lot of times, you know, people will hear about it through just through their, you know, sales reps, business development of reaching out to them and say, Hey, we have this product now. So then they're, they're being made aware of the technology and, and seeing, you know, how, if they can find a use for it. So we definitely get a lot of calls about that. Um, you know, how do you compare to X company? You know, so we, we're, you know, constantly just trying to educate on, you know, the, the, the technology and the product. Um, and lastly about Unilumen, um, you know, just so we can help try and do that education piece. Um, but as far as the specific technology, the micro versus mini LED, what people are looking for, looking forward to is that with these new technologies, um, it's actually going to drive the cost of the product down. So when we're taking micro and mini LED and we're taking diodes and putting them directly onto circuit boards, um, we're skipping over, um, a key step, which is, which is in packaging and encapsulation. Um, and we're also removing points of failure. So it's going to allow us to build the product faster. Um, it's going to increase our yields because there's, a, there's um, less chance of component failure. Um, we're able to increase our automation so that we're you know, kind of able to take the human element out of the displays and we're able to use uh, machines, robotics, and technology to deliver a more consistent product at a lower cost. So what you're going to see is that on these um, super fine pixel pitches, your 0.7s, your 0.5s, and um, you know I've I've heard of you know prototyping in the 0.3 pitch. Um, there's just no way to do that when you're having you know taking three diodes, putting them on a small chip, and then placing it on a circuit board. You're just not going to get the consistency um, to deliver a, a quality product every single time. So that I think is what I'm most excited for, um, is that we're going to be able to see, you know, better products being made faster, being made more consistently, and also reducing 
the entry cost. So it's going to open up new markets to places that uh, wouldn't even consider LED. Um, now it becomes a more affordable option. Um, mm. I can tell you like K through 12, there is, I think I've done one K through 12 project um, in the past five years that, that had LED. Um, even some retail applications, um, the bigger name brands, um, you'll see it in, in limited cases in some of their flagship stores. Um, but if we can, you know, continue to drive the cost down and reduce that barrier to entry, you know, we're going to see a lot more saturation. Um, because, you know, when you compare the, the quality and the impact that you can get over a large format display over flat panels, um, it's very eye-catching, it's very engaging, um, and it makes a statement and it, it, it drives, it drives people to your locations. So the next, the next couple of years are going to be very, very exciting. Um, with what we're able to do with the technology in the market. All right, Patrick Dunn, Executive Vice President of Operations for Unilumen USA. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and giving us your thoughts on technology in the AV industry, how it's impacting LED installations, and the evolution of the buyer's journey. I really appreciate all your thoughts today. Great. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the Market Scale Pro AV podcast. And if you like what you heard and want to listen to previous episodes, make sure you're heading to marketscale.com slash industries. There you can subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from a variety of different industries. Make sure you're also finding our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And make sure you're leaving a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.